This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon, this is Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. As our cats and dogs enter their golden years, it becomes crucial to provide them with the best possible care to ensure that they have a happy and comfortable life. So today on the show, I'm joined by experts Dr. Yap Boon Kai, a veterinarian at Yap Animal Clinic and Surgery, and Dr. Lee Waiwai, the founder of Pet Medic and a veterinarian at Lee Vet Clinic, who are going to share their wealth of knowledge and some very practical tips on how to navigate the unique challenges that come with caring for elderly pets. So they're going to offer some valuable insights on nutrition, exercise, preventive care, and also the emotional support needed to make the twilight years of our four-legged family members as fulfilling as possible. So this is the second episode in a two-part series called My Pet and I. In our first episode, we tackled what you need to know when you get a pet. And now in our second episode, we're going to talk about how you can care for senior cats and dogs. This show is brought to you by Beringer Ingelheim Malaysia. Welcome both of you. How are you today? Hello. Hello. Happy to come back. <laughs> yes, yeah. really happy to see the both of you again. So yes, in our first episode, of course, we were tackling all the 101s on getting a pet, right? And how to make sure our pets are healthy. Uh, but now we want to tackle, which I think is a little bit of a sad topic, but we must uh, talk about it, um, our senior pets. So just to start off with, what age is considered senior for cats and dogs? And how, do, how does their care differ from, let's say, our younger pets? For dogs, usually we'll categorize them uh, whether they are a small breed dog or a large breed dog. So large breed dog generally have a shorter lifespan compared to a small breed dog. So, But generally anything that is more than seven onwards, we call them the middle age and the senior dog. Mm, okay. So cats the same, anything from eight years old onwards, we will consider them as a senior pet. Okay. And, you know, what are some of the common health issues that both senior cats and dogs may face? And I guess, you know, the question here, of course, is how can we actually prevent or manage those sorts of situations? Yeah, so as like a practicing veterinarian, um, whenever we have a senior pet to come in, so inside our mind, we'll like start thinking about, is this um, internal organ problem, liver, kidney, cancer? Is it related to heart? And uh, many more. Okay, is it the eyesight or is is in pain or is it an infectious disease? So there is a bunch of list of the common things that we would like to talk if let's say we can talk for hours. But <laughs> due to the time concern, prob- probably we'll just pick and choose a few very, very common ones mm-hmm. to talk about it. Um, for cats, we'll let's start with cat first. Uh, cats, I think one of the most common thing that we are encountering for senior cats are chronic kidney disease. Okay, yes. Right. Yeah. So this is, uh, I think... Whoever, all the cat owners, they're, they're aware of this issue. Reason is um, cats are obligate omnivores. So they, they need high protein to maintain their muscle and uh, for their metabolism. So when come to the age of golden years, so then the kidney will be more hectic to process such a protein and then they are more prone to have uh, chronic kidney diseases. So what are the signs and the symptoms the owner might be looking for? Um, losing weight, not eating well, suddenly my cat is drinking more than usual, don't be too happy, my cat is drinking water more now. Mm, taking right. more and peeing yeah. more, yeah. Yeah, and pee more. So we call it polyulia polydipsia. And then the urine colour turn colourless and they are less active. If more severe cases, then you'll start uh, encountering your cat maybe having a odd smell from the breath, halitosis we call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then um, they'll start vomiting and so on and so forth. Yeah. I think most commonly as the experience that we see, most of the uh, owners will be picking up the sign when the cat is not eating at all. Mm-hmm. So 
to us is is way too late. So when you see them not eating at all, they might be already reducing their appetite for the past two to three months. Mm. So looking at just drinking a lot and peeing a lot as a sign, mm-hmm. it could be maybe like three months before you know they even stop eating. Okay. So when you when you see that kind of symptom, do go to your vet and get a proper check. Uh, there are many um, blood tests that they can do. Now we even have a more advanced uh, technique to actually diagnose the kidney disease uh, a bit better. Okay. So I think the owners are very important. Do not wait until your cat stop eating to know that your cat is not well. Okay. So that's the main advice that I would like to give to owner. Yeah. Because by that stage, you're already sort of aware or know your pet's patterns, isn't it? So yeah. you would be able to tell that there's something not quite right already. Yes, and, and the difference of uh, catching them that three months earlier mm. is actually talking about um, expanding their life for at least another or, or delaying the clinical signs for at least three to five years. Wow, okay. It can be as much as that. Yeah. So I, I think uh, coming into, you know, a regular, even a regular checkup, even without, you know, having any problems so that you know the baseline, how their blood looks like when they are normal. Mm, okay. Right. All right. Yeah. So looking at that, like Dr. Lee said, um, for chronic kidney disease, 60% of the cat, um, statistically, they will show symptom of hypertension. Right. So, and this is a vicious cycle. When a cat with chronic kidney disease and then they have hypertension where the blood pressure is so high, so this high blood pressure will keep on attacking the kidney. Mm. And And the best thing is the owner doesn't know it. And I bet a lot of humans having hypertension, they didn't know it. Yeah. (laughs) Not until um, the blood test, right? Yes, not until the blood test, not until the veterinary, the detailed check. So Mm. um, hypertension is another condition that we need to tackle. And not only um, is common in a chronic kidney disease cat, um, certain diseases which is commonly in senior cats such as like hyperthyroidism, yes. cardiac disease, they will be experiencing hypertension as well. So um, all these conditions can be controlled and um, then we'll have a better life, quality of life for the cats. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And based on things like, you know, they're getting older, right? Do we also need to adjust their, their diet? Will their uh, nutritional needs change and do we need to, you know, keep up with that as well? Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. So when it comes to nutrition, right, we are saying generally, generally, uh, we are looking at um, their, their senior, they might not need such a high energy, mm-hmm. if not, they will turn into obesity, yeah. the texture of the food so that they might not able to chew that well, dentition mm-hmm. problem. Sure. Okay. We want to add in more uh, omega, so, you know, for the, the pro- yes, to protect the heart, to protect the organ. And that all these are the general general ideas, okay. But um, there's a book say men are from Mars, women are from Venus, and then dogs <laughs> are from Mars and cats are from Venus, okay, <laughs> right. So, and this context come, I think, is really practical when we are talking about pets diet, right? Yeah. Okay. So cats are obligate carnivores and dogs are omnivores. Mm -hmm. Now, we are talking about a healthy senior cat. There's a lot of publication lately because generally people will say, okay, when senior dog or senior cat, we reduce the consumption of amount of protein. That is practical for dog. But for cat, there is a lot of publication now, say for healthy senior cat, we need to maintain the amount of protein 
so that they can maintain the muscle mass, so yes. that they can maintain their normal metabolism. Yes, right. but good source of protein so that they can easily use mm-hmm. and then there yes. are lesser wastage. Okay. Uh, so uh, lesser of that, uh, so that it gets circulating in the blood lesser, toxin right. in a way the kidney don't have to work so hard. Got it. In yeah. a way. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yes. So and but that is in a healthy senior patient. Um if you are your your pets is experiencing certain conditions such as like you're having arthritis problem, then probably we are looking into the calorie intake. We have to supplement it uh, more nutrition about um, glucosamine, chondritin. Like say chronic kidney disease, then we have to limit. We have to limit the protein. Mm. So like just now, Dr. Lee said, because when breakdown of the protein, we'll have all sort of this toxin, we call it, um, like uh, phosphate and things like that. So a better quality source of protein, such as like fish, chicken, that will be a lesser of this side. Side byproduct, yeah. but definitely for pets owner, it's very difficult for them to actually uh, so called cook a, a proper meal with proper nutrition. Yeah. So that's a lot of commercial, good commercial yes. uh, pet food out there. Yes. They are labeling just for senior mm-hmm. uh, pets. Yeah. Mm. So probably look into that and then also analyze. It's good for you to look into the label, and you know al- analyze what is in there before you uh, purchase and probably advise from your veterinarian whether it's really suitable for your patient and, or cat pets. And then I would like to add on is when you have a sick patient, senior sick patient, now, nowadays we are quite easy. We, we have a few brands of prescription diet available yes. in market. So that's quite, quite easy to be assessed. And this prescription diet is uh, formulated nicely by uh, renowned and uh, scientific-based nutritionists. So they are they are suitable for the disease because nutrition is part of a treatment entity. Mm, correct. Uh, so yeah. would you advise mm. um, that, you know, we come and bring our, our pets for a checkup first before we decide on how we should change their diets? Would that be preferable? I would say um, for senior pet, right, um, we need to do a checkup every okay. six to eight months. Okay. All right. All right. So that is a, a basic check. You know, like just now we mentioned hypertension, mm. the blood test. We won't know from clinically, you okay, know. Okay. You, you cannot assess the, the hypertension at home. You cannot assess the kidney function at home until like just now Dr. Lee mentioned. You see that it's losing weight, start vomiting. That will be a little bit late. Okay. So every six months, we can do a routine checkup. Okay. Yeah. okay. For the for, To address your question, actually generally, if you really have not have time to bring your pets for a checkup as yet, if your pets is really above eight years old, do look into, you know, go to the veterinarian uh, clinic or even some good pet shop to ask for senior diet. Okay. To start on that first and then arrange a time to see your vet. Okay. Always check with your vets first, right? I mean, even in our yeah. first episode, that's what we said, you know, yes. always don't don't hesitate, especially, and especially when they're older, right? You shouldn't, Correct. Take, shouldn't Correct. take any chances. Yes. So so that's their diet. Um, what about specific things for their, their activity, right? So exercise, any activity recommendations to keep them uh, healthy? Because, you, know, th- you know, they also are getting old, right? A bit yes. hard to move, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Actually, actually, you'll be... Uh, very surprised that um, they are very, very good in tolerating pain. So most of the time when your pets have spondylosis like bone spurs and osteoarthritis, they will just keep it. Mm -hmm. As simple as the sign of, let's say, they used to just jump on the chair 
or jump on the bed with one jump mm. and then now they have to jump on the chair and then jump on the bed that is already a sign of you know not able you know to to jump that well or maybe a little bit of pain um i experienced this really well for my cat my I accidentally found out that my cat, which is which was 12 years old then, uh, because I went for a heart check. Hmm. So we need to took an x-ray for the heart. So when we do that, accidentally we found out that he has a lot of bone spur. Oh, and man. he lived till 22 and a half years old wow. with that bone spur. That means over 10 years wow. that he was still running, walking, jumping as so-called nothing was bothering him. So that told us how much of pain tolerance that they have. So what, as an owner, what you need to do is that you need to pick up all this small, small hint mm. of whether, you know, they used they used to stand and sit like what mm, they want correct. to. And then suddenly they just keep standing and they take a long time before they decided to, okay, let's sit. <laughs> and then once they sit, they have problem of standing up. So they, they probably uh, flip a few times before they, they stand. That that could be the reason uh, showing that they are not well or they have pain. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Talking about Dr. Lee um, explained about uh, how happened for cats when they are old, have all this locomotion problem, the joint problem. Uh, for senior dogs, I think that is a bigger issue than yes, we have big breeds and small breeds. So then we are encountering different Problems Correct. for big breeds of dogs. We are looking at we are looking at Malaysia perspective, yeah, like German Shepherd, Rottweilers, Golden Retriever. I think eighty percent of my patient will have a condition called hip dysplasia, mm. which is their hip is loose in congruity. So then, over the years, even though when they are younger at the time, they can accommodate with that, but due to age, degeneration, abrasion, everything come in, so they will have this hip pain. So um, it's crucial. To notice that my pet is having this problem, so how shall I address them so that to re reduce the pain, so to uh, have a better quality when they are old. So, and the other thing for smaller breed of dog, I think um, any, anyone have a toy breed of poodle, um, sisu, patella luxation will be another condition which is very, very common where um, their patella bone is um, quite flexible which shall not be in that way. The kneecap. Yeah, the ah, kneecap. So okay. eventually will have pain. Um, another thing that I would like to talk about is recently, not recently I think, uh, lately there is a lot of this kind of chondrodystrophic breed human language, those short leg, long bone, uh, long yes, backbone. Yes, yes. So like sausage dog, our uh. dashan, um, corgi, cute little bird, okay? <laughs> our hush puppy, basset hound. All these breeds, their conformation is not, not very natural. They have a relatively short leg. Yes, it's so, so, so adorable. And relatively long body. Munchkin. Yes, mm. munchkin, munchkin <laughs> is so adorable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then they are prone to have that uh, problem, like Dr. Lee mentioned, sleep this intervertebrate disease yes. because okay. of the confirmation. So when you are having these breeds, um, chondrodystrophic dogs, chondrodystrophic cats, we need to, from young, we have to advise like, please reduce the amount of activity like jumping up and down, climbing up and down stairs and have to take care of their backbones. Yeah. And then just this, uh, since we're talking about that, we have this very viral TikTok that, you know, doing the dangling test. I really would like to call off 
to anyone or everyone that actually see this, uh, try not to do that on your pet. Um, the dangling test initially was actually just to test on their temperament. Mm. But you know your pet so well, why do you need to test them? Yes, exactly. And when you're doing that, you actually probably will cause some very, you know, uh, long-term issue or intervertebral disease. And like I told you, if they are painful, they won't be able to act address or tell you about it right. and they will be suffering in pain very silently for many years until one of this day they do not walk anymore that might be years later so really need to call to everyone that try not to do the dangling test i think not try just don't do just it, don't okay. do <laughs> not necessary <laughs> at all yes. the likes can wait okay just, uh, all right let's just go for a quick break uh, and when we come back let's talk about things like vaccinations and uh, those sorts of things yeah i'm speaking today to dr yap bunkai he's a veterinarian with yap animal clinic and surgery and dr lee yy she's the founder of pet medic and a veterinarian at lee vet clinic it's our second episode in our series my pet and i and today we're talking about caring for senior cats and dogs this is a series brought to us by boringa Ingelheim, Malaysia. We'll be back after this quick break. Keep it here on Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture. I'm Julia Jacobs. It's another episode in our short series called My Pet and I. Today, we're talking about caring for senior cats and dogs. With me, two experts, Dr. Lee YY, the founder of Pet Medic and a veterinarian at Lee Vet Clinic, and Dr. Yap Bunkai, a veterinarian at Yap Animal Clinic and Surgery. So we're talking about how to keep our babies who are now, you know, kind of seniors, unfortunately, how do we keep them as healthy as possible and as comfortable as possible? So before the break, uh, you know, both of you were telling us about some common health issues you know and dr lee you were talking about you know pain discomfort right that our pets may experience and we should keep an eye out for it i just want to go back on that you know what are some of the signs that we should watch for that may indicate those sorts of pains and discomforts especially in senior pets uh, dr yap you want to take that right so as like last last episode we mentioned about in young animals we watch out for abu the abu appetite bowel and urination so all these small, small changes will tell us a lot, a lot of information of them. And um, definitely we are saying like increase or decrease of appetite is not good. So like diabetic, chronic kidney patient and all these will change off their appetite. Mm -hmm. And then um, bowel definitely. If let's say you have a senior dog, male dog, um, that uh, suddenly have constipation, and not castrated or their fish system very thin, then we are looking at do your dog have a prostate problem? Yeah, yeah. urination as we say, like, you know, urine a lot. Is it a good sign? No, it can be having chronic kidney disease or diabetes or some other things. And there's one thing that I would like to take the opportunity here is like, um, actually, we can get a lot of clues out from breathing pattern. Okay. Right. Okay. So when you have a you have a senior pet, right? So what we can do to do a little bit monitoring for them is you observe them breathing, resting breathing pattern. So you can do every week just jot it down in your notepad or, or your handphone. Once a week, over a minute, how many breaths they are breathing, okay. right? So it's like 15 to 30 breaths per minute, right? That's My normal. Yeah, 15 to 30. Um, so we are watching if during sleeping, more than a minute, and then they breathe more than 30, see your vet as soon as possible. Oh. And the other sign that we are looking at is if they consistently increase. This week is 15, next week is 17, and the week after is 20, see your vet. So that is a sign that your pet 
may be suffering from heart disease. Oh gosh, that okay. is an indication. Of course, that is not a you know a, a pure <laughs> diagnosis tool, um, but that is a good indicator that my dog might not be doing well because one of the common things now for cats and dogs are uh, heart diseases, mm, right? Okay. So they can suffer from heart diseases. So um, beside the coughing, panting, um, cyanotic, cyanotic, which means that it's a bluish in the tongue colour. So breathing pattern is one of the things that owners can observe at home to assess whether my pet is having a heart problem. Okay. It's very, very important. Most of the dog that uh, the, the owner that know mm. how to do this mm. will detect um, problem like pulmonary edema, that means fluid in the lung, uh, way much earlier compared to uh, them that rushing in for emergency attention yes. and, you know, yes. they were just probably just die on our table within oh, minutes mm. okay. when they mm. come in. So by just... Uh, calculating mm. the uh, resting respirate, it's helping them a lot. Um, anyway, yeah. you are spending time with your pet every day in your bedroom yeah. or, you know, yes, in your yes, living room. Yes. So as you're watching TV, when they are sleeping next to you, just look into it. Just It will just take you 15 seconds and then times four, that's how you get whatever it is. And I think um, Boringer has an app called My Pets Heart to Heart. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a way of how you you can actually uh, calculate that and then it will actually store it as a data oh, perfect. Oh, on, okay. on different different yeah. pets, mm -hmm. right. like, like what Dr. Yap yes. mentioned. Yeah, then you and can monitor and tell yeah, you guys. And certain yeah. breed of dog like Cavillian King Charles, they are yeah. born with a genetic of uh, mitral valve disease. Mm -hmm. Right, Big breed of dog like Pincher, they are bo boxers they are born with a dilated cardiomyopathy genetics. Cats, Maine Coon, they are very, very prone to have hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. So you are having certain breeds. Of course, the, the list is going go on and on. You Probably you can search on that. But if you notice that um, your pets of the breed are prone to certain of this heart disease, and then uh, just now we mentioned the yearly checkup is every six months. So you don't... You can do all this monitoring at home. So in case of any subtle changes, you can contact your vet so to get the early diagnosis. Okay, Just yeah. give you a very um, small example that I saw a Rottweiler two weeks ago, which was a very sad case, that um, they came in for a bleeding lump at oh. the memory gland. Okay. So the emergency part of them looking at it is the bleeding. So they call for emergency look at bleeding. So when we come to excess, we realise that it was just bleeding very little. Okay. So it's definitely not an emergency. But looking at how the dog breathes, knowing that you know the breathing is having issue. Yeah. So with an x-ray that being done, the very sad thing is that the cancer of that place has actually metastasized to the whole lung. Technically, oh. ninety over percent, you know, of the of the lung is all covered with this metastasis. Definitely, from a vet point of view, looking at the X-ray, we cannot decide like hundred percent it is metastasis. But dog passed away two days after. Oh no! But yeah, and and technically, owner was telling me that dog was still eating the day before. Mm -hmm. So by just looking at this breeding pattern, you will pick up so much. Yeah. Okay. All right. So again, so aside from ABU, they're breathing as well. Very yes. important. Yes. Uh? Okay. All right. All right. And, you know, in our previous episode, we spoke a lot about vaccination for our younger pets, right? Is vaccination also necessary for our senior pets? 
yes, um, senior pets when their immunity reduce, so and depends on the environment, depends on the genetic, and depends as well on the physical examination. Uh, they might have lower immunity. I would say so. Vaccination is still a must. Okay. And then um, probably nowadays with better technology so that we can uh, do a little bit more in, in terms for uh, certain owners, they are worried that am I over-vaccinated my pet? Maybe Dr. Lee, you want to mention that? Yeah, many of the owners would think like, oh, my dog is old. We don't mm. need vaccination mm. anymore. But they walk their dog in the park every day. Correct. So um, generally, if, if a general information to you guys is uh, lep- uh, things like leptospirosis, uh, vaccination will only cover maybe about nine months to a year. So if you need to do that, you actually need to do every year. But uh, statistics shows that uh, things like parvovirus, distemper virus and adenovirus, all of this thing uh, by vaccination, if you have done your vaccination so well the previous years, uh, sometimes their immunity or antibody will last about three to five years sometimes. So uh, how do you know that as an owner? So you can go to your vet, draw some blood as you're drawing your, you know, normal geriatric uh, screening blood, Uh, just a little bit more of that blood to test on antibody. So we have distemper, parvo and adenovirus antibody. And if the antibody is high, then you do not need to vaccinate them. Um, If they are not, if they are low, then you probably want to vaccinate them. Then you are very certain that your dogs are protected. But for those who are actually walking uh, in the park and outside the house, leptospiral vaccine is uh, very crucial. Okay. Yeah. So as a general, there there is a suggestion um, on this World Small Animal Association at the website. Um, A lot of experts, they are saying if your pets is more than 15 years old, so they have received uh, enough vaccine for the past years, so they will already develop certain um, antibodies inside their body. So probably we can stop at the age of 15. Okay, all right. So so do senior cats and dogs get immune or do they tolerate internal and external parasites a bit better as they age? Yeah, no, 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 no. Okay, okay. Not, <laughs> not at, at all. all. Not at all. Okay. Yes, your face has said it all. <laughs> yeah, as, as just now I said, like when you have a senior pet, your immunity, everything is reduced, mm-hmm. right? Your mm-hmm. digestibility, your availability of, of movement and all reduced. So how can you tolerate better of a Cannot. parasite, right? Yeah, yeah. Um I think it's still very, very crucial as we've spoken in our first episode where Malaysia, our weather here is hot and humid. It's a big party place for all the parasites. The parasitologists love us, right? (laughs) So um, for internal parasites, if like Dr. Lee said, you always bring your dog for a walk in a park, old dogs having joint disease, we want them to have some exercise that will be very good for their joint. But then um, when you walk in a park, you're exposing them to all the roundworm, hookworm, weedworm, and etc., etc. So we shall deworm them. And as according to TROCAP, which is an association of a parasite, that do suggest that for tropical uh, country like us, we do need to deworm our dog like um, every monthly okay. to eliminate uh, the intestinal worm. Yes. Yeah. I think why do why do pets owners stop doing it is because the fear of uh, having too much of medication or the adding up effect of you know I've given this poison for so mm, many years yeah. and does it affect my dog now that my dog is older so um, most of this medication uh, that is available in the market are very safe uh, so 
definitely look into um, the pro of deworming them or using this uh, worms product. It's uh, better than not deworming. Okay. There is more more pro than harm. Okay. Yeah. Right. So the same thing I will go for again, like last episode we mentioned about heartworm, which yes. is very, very, very yes. common in Malaysia. Yes. So like just now we say, when senior pets, they are prone to have heart diseases, right? Like Cavalier King Charles, we know that literally they'll have mitral valve disease. We don't want a double trouble. We don't want <laughs> yes. an old Cavalier King Charles come in. We tested positive of heartworm. Then we are dealing with two problems within the heart, yeah. right? So this is bad. What we can do if we carry on persistently with our heartworm prevention, mm. so we can eliminate one of a common problem. Why not? Yeah. Right. So we have to carry on with this uh, prevention. And the same go to external parasite, ticks and fleas. I think everyone are suffering, every of the animal in Malaysia, ticks and fleas is so, so, so common. Um, just share with you, we have many cases, like say a senior patient, they came in, classical, beautiful sign of having thick fever, yes. um, show it full blast on our uh, blood phlegm under a microscope, we see the agent, but it not responds to treatment. Oh and that time, as like Dr. Lee said, your case, we, we go for more thorough check and always it will have secondary problem. It has some cancer somewhere a full blast of cancer in the lung. So that's how the tick fever, it comes in as a secondary disease where when your immune system it's lowered low. by all this chronic disease, yes. then the tick fever shown up. Okay. Yeah, so I just we would like to a, eliminate that. Okay. Right, I just had, had a case of uh, being uh, tick fever and then also positive for heartworm. Oh, so the, the bad thing is the the dog is so uh, anemic, the, the condition is so bad that we can't even go in for, for heartworm treatment where both of these diseases is easily prevented by just giving preventive care of, you know, monthly supply of this preventive care. So whoever that listened to this, please don't worry about, uh, you know, how other people talk about the side effect of things. Talk to talk to your vet if you are worried and let them uh, guide you through whichever uh, product is the most suitable for your pet. Yeah. Talk about heartworm. We always say if we can both to eliminate this problem, and it's very common in Malaysia, that would be great because a lot of times we are encountering a lot of cases where they have all the underlying diseases, they are old, they are suffering from other diseases. And you come in additionally with a heartworm problem. So I do have a case, a senior dog, a golden retriever, obviously come in with all the swollen lymph node generally, upon blood test, very high uh, lymphocyte. So this is on the list is lymphoma, it's a cancer mm. that's very, very common in, in dogs. Then... Um, before we do the chemotherapy and biopsy and all sort of things, then upon the blood screening and we found out he has heartworm positive. Uh -huh. So that increased our challenge of our treatment. And eventually we are in between like, shall we manage the heart and the heartworm or shall we manage the cancer and which are the things that we have to juggle between yes. a few issues. So this is very sad. If this particular case, if without a heartworm, then we can focus the treatment of lymphoma because lymphoma is one of the cancer that is so 
until now the most treatable, I put it in inverted comma, is is not totally eradicate, but it's treatable is we can provide them with a good length of uh, lifespan and quality life. Mm-hmm. But due to the heart issue, which induced by heartworm, mm-hmm. so we have a um, limitation to go for the treatment of the lymphoma. Right. So it's very, very sad. If let's say the owner from the beginning, they prevented these heartworm diseases, then it's much easier and we do we can have a better quality of outcome for this particular case. Yeah. I mean, I remember even in the first episode how much you stressed on how it's, it's such a simple thing to do, isn't it? But so many yeah. long-ranging sort of uh, impacts, right? Yes. Just from diligently following their, yeah. uh, their heartworm medication. Yes. Okay, got it. Because nowadays in market, there's many different types of product. So if let's say a certain certain disease, we would like to avoid to use certain ingredients uh, for external or internal parasite. So there, there is wide range of choice and wide range of uh, mode of action and different type of uh, chemical drugs that is available. So talk to your vet, your vet after the routine check, blood check with particular condition, they will choose the most suitable product that we use so to reduce um, the inverted comma, the toxic effect to the minimal. But it's still very crucial that we have to prevent um, heartworm, external parasite, internal parasite. So we can eliminate more problem rather than adding on to all this um, existing disease. Okay. All right. So keep up with your your checkups, of course, and keep up with the vaccinations as well. All of that, very, very important. Um, In terms of things like, you know, our senior pets, cognitive health, perhaps, right? Uh, How can we support that and how can we also manage things like age-related cognitive decline? Okay, talk about cognitive decline. Yes. It's, it's actually um, a condition synonym to human Alzheimer's disease. Ah, okay. So when um, animal aged, so the heart can age, the kidney can age, what about the brain? the neurological system, they can age as well, same like human. Um, and what other things can add on of this aging is um, the other thing that I mentioned just now, hypertension, yeah. right? Diabetes, because a lot of sugar in the blood, a lot of free radical in the blood. So it, it damaged the brain more. Um, kidney disease. So, and all this will add on to this cognitive dysfunction. Okay. And it's some sort of same like uh, human Alzheimer's disease where they will change of behavior, they will change of their sleeping pattern, so they'll wake up in the night, they will vocalize more, normally they sleep throughout the night and then now midnight they, they will just wake up. I have clients that are 18 years old, Sizu, they, they just, you know, biological clock, they wake up at night, start howling, crying oh. and they don't aware that you know, this is night time. So um, definitely if we are dealing with connective um, disease, we need to have a lot, a lot of patience, a lot, yes. lot of tolerance. And when they have this cognitive disease and they a lot of things is like they they not understand that this certain action is dangerous to them. Mm-hmm. They can roam normally when they are younger and they, they know that they won't roam into the balcony. Right. right, right. But with now they with this dysfunction of the brain, they're not learning too well and they roam to the balcony and a lot of cases, they fell down from the balcony. That's one thing. The second thing is like when they age, not only the cognitive disease, they have bad eyesight, they have Mm. bad hearing as well. We have many, many cases, you know. Um, It's really sad where the owner themselves car accident the dog. 
Yeah, oh, because normally was, the dogs and cat will sleep there. So when nighttime I come back, I drive in, they'll move away and it's dark, it's raining. So I drive in and the accident happened. But to this old patient, it's like I have joint pain, like Dr. Lee said, I, I cannot raise and then I have cognitive fast. disease. I didn't hear, I didn't see and, and this mm. thing or early in the morning, they sleep underneath your car. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So when you start your car, normally they'll run out the cat. Right. And and this thing can be avoided, all of this. So you need a lot more attention. A lot more attention. A lot more, sure. a lot more um, patient. And definitely there's something supplement like vitamin B complex, omega, which can help a little bit. But you say total eradicate or total reverse of this, I think we still need a lot of time for the researcher to find the solution. Okay. Definitely good nutrition or starting the mm. supplement a little bit earlier does help. Okay. So uh, pick up signs, small signs like um, losing house um, training mm. and uh, you know walking in circle. All of that needs to be detected earlier. Um, and then if you can address it or even start it, them on um, this senior supplement when they are at the age of eight, nine years old. Okay, okay. Yeah. So that is something that might we should also uh, look out for, right? Issues like incontinence, uh, mm-hmm. issues like changes in their litter box habits, yes. uh, those sorts of things in yeah. senior dogs and cats. Yes. We yeah. should keep an eye on that as well. Yes, yes. Okay. yes. All right. And here, uh, talking about litter box, I would like to share a little bit tips for yes. everyone. Is It's very important for cats you prepare enough little box for them, Mm -hmm. multiple cat households. So Mm -hmm. what is the formula is the number of the cat plus one. If you have three cats, then you need three plus one, four little box. Okay. Okay. If you have one cat, it's one plus one, so two little box. So that they have enough place clean litter box to urinate because cats are very particular. They are very clean creatures. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you have not enough little box for me, I hold my urine and that's bad, bad. That is yes. bad for their uh, the system. Kidneys yeah, everything. the kidneys, the bladders. Yeah, okay. and then uh, for senior pet, because of having osteoarthritis and all that, you might want to look into the height of the little box, and then maybe the width of the little box for them to go in and out. Ah, accessibility yes, and mobility. Accessibility okay, it. all right. And, and speaking of things like that, right? So let's say, I mean, we know that they're going to age. We know that you know it's not. It's going to decline, right? There's many things that are going to decline. I mean, are there options for things like pain management and and mobility support for our senior pets? You know, even with things like arthritis, joint issues. I mean, what would your recommendations be? Um, I would say most of the people will always want to look into just supplement. Mm. So to be frank, uh, the supplement can help to a certain extent. So whenever the vet's suggesting some anti-inflammatory or so-called painkiller, everybody will stop and say, no, 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 my pet don't need painkillers. But knowing that, like I told you, they were, sil- they were silently suffering from this uh, pain that you do not know, which your, which your vet might have already discovered, and start them on some low dose of anti-inflammatory. And some of these uh, medication that they use are pretty safe for dogs and cats to use for long term some even up up to months uh, for them to be able to take care of their pain in a in a very good way they have good quality of life that they can walk and stand and do their usual activities without really uh, causing them to have liver and kidney issues or other issues but do not do it on your own so always bring your pets 
to get your pet checked, most of the time the vet will actually run a baseline okay. blood test first okay. to know that there's no severe uh, liver or kidney diseases that they cannot or contraindicated with those medication. And once they know that, they would decide on a proper one for them to go on, probably in conjunction with other supplement, so that then they could actually manage this uh, quality of life better. Okay. So when your vet suggesting you about painkillers and anti-inflammatory, don't jump. Just yeah. just be very clear to tell them that what you expect and 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 have an open heart on yeah. on how to feed them. And right. beside the painkiller, um, that to immediately relieve the pain, we are in a good era now where um, our pets is literally treated like a like a kids. So when our old kids is pain, then beside the painkiller, beside the supplement, glucosamine, chondroitin, um, physiotherapy is very yes. important. Oh, we can yeah. do physiotherapy to them, um, hydrotherapy, swimming, and all this will build up the muscle and mm. the muscle support is very important for the joint and it will release the pain. And nowadays, um, same like human, we have acupuncture. Yeah. Uh, okay, yes. So those are very uh, non-invasive non ways to mm. relieve their pain, um, even laser therapy, yes. right? So we have all sort of these kind of experts around the town. So ask your veterinarian, refer them if you prefer a um, traditional Chinese medication of acupuncture, hydrotherapy, mm. and go for a good exercise every day, short yes. walk, not la dokaton, please, <laughs> okay? Short, short walks, um, good grips of place, um, like, on the grass is not too slippery um, those will help a lot with the arthritis and definitely if let's say the vet prescribe any painkiller um, please relieve the pain because we are looking at the quality of the life as our first priority extension to what Dr. Yap has says the flooring uh, yes, non-slippery flooring is very important. I know your house is full of marbles. So what you do is build a corner or your room that you can put on yoga mats or even the kids, uh, you know, mats, puzzle mats, mats yes. to actually get them to have this better grip. Okay. And then uh, you can learn a little bit of small massage on, you know, helping your pets to feel better. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's just go for one more quick break. Yeah. And when we come back, I do want to talk about, well, I, you know, end-of-life care, right? I think it's something that we must address as well as we talk about senior uh, cats and dogs. I'm speaking today to Dr. Yap Bun Kai. He's a veterinarian at Yap Animal Clinic and Surgery. And Dr. Lee YY, the founder of Pet Medic and a veterinarian at Lee Vet Clinic. It's our second episode in our series, My Pet and I. We're talking about caring for senior cats and dogs. We'll have more after this last break. Keep it here on Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture. I'm Julia Jacobs. It's our second episode of My Pet and I. We are talking about caring for senior cats and dogs. Helping us to do that is Dr. Yap Bun Kai, a veterinarian at Yap Animal Clinic and Surgery, and Dr. Lee YY, founder of Pet Medic and a veterinarian at Lee Vet Clinic. So we've spoken about, you know, all the different things that we should look out for in our pets, how we must keep up with their medication, vaccination, all of that. Don't think just because they're senior, they're immune in any way or anything like that. That's nonsense. So keep up with everything. Thing. Now I want to talk about, I think, you know, the saddest part of it all. Um, 
end-of-life care, right? I think that's a, a reality that many pet owners have to face up to. What would you say are some end-of-life care options and decisions I, I should consider uh, if my pet is very ill? Um, uh, Julia, I the know. most difficult monster I know, question. I know. And, and this is the most difficult question, not, not only today, is our day-in, day-out the most difficult question to answer and most difficult decision to make. We say, like just now, we, we have all, all the... Uh, how to detect the disease, how we want to ease their pain and everything of those. Now, when come to the end of life, when we have enough palliative care, we, we are given painkiller, we have given everything, uh, hospice care. Um, now, the pet is suffering. The most difficult part now is we don't have a skill like, say, hypertension, the systolic is more than 130. So then that is hypertension. Mm. But the pain and the suffer is very subjective. To me, not eating for three days is fine. But to certain people, not eating for half a day is a big issue. Mm. Right. So I think this, back to this very subjective question, like end-of-life care, is always a lot of discussion with your vet. What do you want? To me, there is no right decision or wrong decision, right? It's how you want to manage it. And everything, the first priority is about the quality, the painless life for the pets. Yes. yes. And, and that's what I'm considering. So talking end of life care, I think we cannot avoid a very big issue, which is euthanasia, yes. which we call it put to sleep. We vets are giving such a big responsibility that we mm. can perform such a procedure. So we will definitely don't want to utilize this as a way to get away of the responsibility for, for pet owners, right? But then this is very important because as our oath we taken as a veterinarian, we would like we cannot let the animal suffer. Mm. Yes. So my perspective as a vet may not the same as the owner. Correct. Right. So always sit down and talk to your vet what you think. The owner is the one that every day spend hours and hours for the past 12 years, 13 years with your pet. You know that they are suffering. You know that they are in pain. You know that, you know that they are not happy. So uh, this is the something very important. You talk to them, then talk to your vet, then we arrange whether we want to proceed to the next step where euthanasia or you want to let nature make the call. Mm. Definitely, every pet owner, I'm a pet owner as well. My baby now is 14 and a half years old. Mm. Currently, he's suffering in a certain health condition. Every day, every night before I sleep, I'll just tell him like, if you need to go, you go. My wish is every single pet pass on naturally, no suffer, you have your last meal, happy, you sleep and you go at home. That's the dream, yeah. That's the dream of everyone, mm -hmm. right? So that's what my dream, but is sometimes the thing is not as what you wish. Most right? of the time it doesn't yeah. happen that way. I just need to give you guys some uh, example. Yeah. I have an example of a cancer patient that the growth is actually on the cheek. That means on the face. Okay. And and because it's getting bigger, and then um, and then because it started to ulcerate, it smells very bad because it's necrotizing. So the owner really cannot let go of the dog, and then they bring to the vet, and you know want us to take care. But to us is 
if the cancer has gone into the bone, it is very painful. And it's very painful for the the dog even to eat. So the dog cannot eat. So what we are doing every single day is to force in food. Mm. So so with that, we were talking to the owner, you know, to let go. But because the owner sent the dog to the vet, the owner don't see the day in, day out of the wound cleaning that caused the pain, the smell that, you know, that is really bad, not only for, for people around them. Imagine the dog themselves, uh, you know, uh, dealing with the the smell all the time, so I would say like what Doctor Yap says, uh, you you need to have a very good discussion with your vet. But the ultimate uh, reason of keeping them going is to have good quality of life, as in painless. Uh, so you need to support them with the pain relief and all that, and then to spend time with them. Yeah. If you actually get some other people to, to take care of them, you know, just because you, you don't want to let them go, then probably it's, you know, uh, looking at considering their part of it, their part of welfare. Mm. And if they don't eat for days before they die, just because you do not want or do not believe in putting in feeding tube, that's bad. So if you don't want to let go, put in a feeding tube and feed them until they go. Mm. Otherwise, they will be go hungry or starving before they die. Yeah, I, I know putting in feeding tube looks bad to you, but you know that's how human does. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So sometimes when you put in the feeding tube, they might get better. You know, mm-hmm. so do not resist all this thing that being suggested by your vet, but really sit down calmly, take away the emotion, and put your pet's benefit or welfare first. That's yeah. what I would tell everybody. And yeah. and it's important sometimes you don't forget that um, this is not your pet. This is your family pet, <laughs> right? It's everyone's. It's everyone's. Uh, Pets in the family is not pets; it's even like our family members. So you need to sit down and talk to every single of your family members. You don't yes. make yes. one person decision that you know. Okay, my my pet is in pain. I would like to put down now. So you need to sit down and talk to the family. You you need to literally get the entire family to agree with that. And a lot of times. Pets, before they pass away, what they want is they, they, they just want to see everyone in the family. We have so many, so many cases like they are very end stage. We think that medically we can do until that limit. We call the owner, please discharge from the hospital. We, we always, my, our idea is like, if this is the really last moment of the life, I will try my best to like say, go home, please spend time with your family. Definitely. And there's a lot of time when they reach home, they see all the family's members and then they will pass away peacefully. That, that is my wish. But of course, we veterinarian is still human. We cannot gauge and judge like which moment, right, you know, yeah. God will take them. Um, so if you want to make any decision, please um, talk to all of your family members. And then if you already decide that, you know, my pet is suffering, then I need to let go. Plan of the after that, like what you want to do with the body. Do you want to do a burial? Where is the place? Um, if you would like to cremate, now I think there is a lot of cremating company around. So um, what you want to do with the ash? You want to take back the ash with the urn or you want to scatter to see and things of those kind of things. And very, very importantly, it's very, very sad thing is a lot of owners, beside thinking of the animal, you have to prepare yourself. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
you you really need to be strong and tough. At that moment, you have to tell yourself that you have to be there. You need to be strong for your pet. So you cannot collapse before your your animal gone. You have to support them to the last moment. So that's why God created our fur kid to be live for 13 to 15 years. So our responsibility is to support them. So emotionally, you need to support yourself. You have to help yourself first. Same like when aircraft, when oxygen supply come down, you put on yourself before you put on your children. You have to support yourself. And um, after your pet gone, you need to prepare yourself as well because that will be definitely a period of time of grief. It's exactly the same like we lost family members. How you want to recover yourself from that. That is all the important issue that you have to prepare for yourself because this day will come. We can't stop. You know, life is going on every day. We can't stop that things is happening. So I think that is the most important thing of the discussion about end-of-the-life care. Okay. Yeah. And again, I think go back to, you know, you don't want any suffering. You don't want any pain for your pet. That should be the, the bottom line, the baseline, right? When making decisions. But talk to your vets, of course, and, yeah. and you know, come to a consensus, yeah. come to a decision. Okay. Yeah. We've been through, like, I feel like we've been through a whole journey, you know, of owning a pet in these last <laughs> two episodes with you guys. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for anyone who's listening who might, you know, just want uh, some resources perhaps or some some uh, support groups, any that you could, uh, you know, what would you suggest, you know, when they're looking for more information on how to look after their dogs and cats and, you know, protect them best? I think now everyone know where to look for things, but uh, beware that uh, most of the people have their own opinion. So that's a lot of blogs and all that out there that might not be um, giving a very um, precise or good or correct information. Do go for um, websites that is from the universities, from government, um, from government, mm. and renowned from, body, big body, big companies. Right. Yeah, okay. yeah, right. and the, the vet association. Yeah, the vet yeah. association, um, and this or. or professional vet association yes. and these are important the same go for supplement as well nowadays we've seen a lot of supplements yeah, yes. um, selling with online with a lot of claims yeah mm. with a lot of claims you know when cataract you take my supplement and then you are like <laughs> no, no. bright as like you see the first sign of your first love <laughs> 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 so please be careful and there is a lot of fake product in market as well. So if you want to get anything online, please be careful. This kind of fake product is everywhere. So go to a genuine website or go to your veterinarian or is uh, those trustable pet store to get all these medical supplies. Yeah, even, even with your same goes to your preventive care, heartworm prevention, ticks prevention and all that. Uh, I know for convenience, you would like to, you know, probably go to pet shop or go online to buy it. But really, I, I think that the best thing is to go back to your vet to get it, and I'm sure most of your vet do do take um, orders yeah. by yeah. WhatsApp yeah. or things like that. Mm. Communicate with them if you if you really can't go to them. Okay. Yeah. So constant communication with your vet, I want to say, is also yeah. very important, especially yes. when they're older, right? Yeah. Because what well, was it, six to eight months, right? That we should bring yeah. them in for their checkups right. and for... For healthy for senior. Health. But of course, when you detect anything wrong, please don't say, Dr. Yap, say six to eight <laughs> no, months. No, Let's yes, wait yes, for six yes, to eight yes, months. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, in a, in a <laughs> right. healthy situation. Yes. Okay, all right. So 
Thank you so much for joining me today. And, you know, from our previous episode, I think we've, I feel like we've been through a whole journey together of our pet's life uh, over these past two episodes. But thank you so much uh, for sharing all of that knowledge. I was speaking to Dr. Yap Boon Kai, a veterinarian at Yap Animal Clinic and Surgery, and Dr. Lee Waiwai, the founder of Pet Medic and a veterinarian at Lee Vet Clinic. If you miss any part of today's episode or any part of episode one, you can always search for the podcast at bfm.my slash learn. This show was brought to you by Beringer Ingelheim, Malaysia. Visit nextguard.my to keep your pets protected inside and out from common internal and external parasites and to give them a safe and healthy growth environment. This has been Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.